Welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast. This is Stacey Eldridge coming to you live today. No, I'm actually not live, but <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. And I am here with my dear friend, Sherry Snyder. You may know Sherry. Sherry's an integral part of Ransom Heart and the Captivating Women's Team. You've probably seen her if you've seen any of our videos, the Love and War video, the Captivating Heart to Heart video, the Captivating Retreat videos. Even if you go all the way back to the very first Wild at Heart video, you'll see her greeting her husband, Morgan Snyder. So welcome, Sherry. I'm so glad to be doing this podcast with you this morning. Thank you, Stacy. I am so glad to be here. Sherry and I are going to be talking together a little bit about the effects of trauma. Yes. And this one just, and not just, but on my brain. Mm -hmm. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, I spent almost a half hour looking for my car keys. Mm -hmm. I could not find them anywhere. And I keep them in a particular place in the drawer, and I'm really good about putting them there because I need that. They weren't in the drawer. They weren't in my purse. They weren't on the counter. They weren't anywhere. I'm looking in the car, and finally, I found them. They were in my hand. They'd been in my hands <laughs> the entire Rose. time. So <clears throat> it worried me. Um, things like uh, going to write something down specifically, getting the pen, and having no idea what it was I was going to write down. And this is beyond going into a room and forgetting why you go into the room. I just want you all to know that happens to everybody. That is not a sign of old age. That just, there's reasons for that. Anyway, what we have been calling it, but kindly, is trauma brain. Um, because trauma does have an effect. I, we've heard of chemo brain. We've talked about that because of the very real and varied effect of chemotherapy on on short-term memory and the ability to focus. But but trauma affects the brain, the emotions, and most certainly our bodies. And Sherry, you could talk for hours on this, but could you give us a um, kind of an abbreviated but version of what what is trauma? There's several um, layers to trauma. So I will start off with a general perhaps working definition of trauma. And one could say that trauma is any loss or harm or violation that would not have taken place in the Garden of Eden. It's just a great, wow, big category. So I'll just say it again because it's helpful for me to, to feel it out. So it's any loss or violation or harm that would not have taken place in the Garden of Eden. That being said, we can then, a lot of things obviously register as trauma. So much of our lives, in fact, register as trauma given that definition. I think as we become more specific to trauma in the body, we can look at ways that the body would register trauma, Stace, as you're saying. So, for example, um, God created our bodies to have uh, survival mechanisms. He created our nervous system and our brain to work together with our body under the reign of our spirit connected to his spirit, ideally, so that we could survive. Those survival mechanisms are crucial. For example, if we are walking down the street and 
a car is careening toward us and we register that we need to move, our body, the way God made our body is that we don't have to think with our neocortex, I need to move. The senses pick it up, the danger communicates that danger and then that action response is communicated to our bodies faster than we have to thoughtfully think it through. This is an essential gift from God. Our survival mechanisms are are a profound gift. So I think the first place to start is recognizing Father has provided for us to live in a world where danger is real and to be able to uh, survive. And we, we worship Him as a good Father for those survival mechanisms. What happens then for trauma in the body is when our God-given survival mechanisms are not sufficient to avoid the harm or the loss. That is so helpful and so sobering, Sherry, because your broad definition, which is so good, means that everyone has experienced it. There's there's no one. We talk about um, Jesus coming to heal the broken heart, um, literally broken. The, the word being shabar, shattered, um, and that no one escapes that in this fallen world. And what you're saying is no one escapes trauma. And I love your, your also reminding us that God has, He knows that, and that instantaneous response. So the fight or flight mechanism kicks in as well. And how does that relate to trauma? Great question, Stace. So, you know, there's several different mechanisms in the body that God gave us that, as as we said, are faster than our need to process them consciously. In the face of danger, often the first level of response in the body is, as you said, the fight or flight response. What is happening in the nervous system in that case is that the nervous system shifts into what we call the sympathetic nervous system. It was called sympathetic originally back, actually that is from the Greek, because it works with the body, with the action of the muscles. It's sympathetic with action. And so the sympathetic nervous system stimulates in the body to act. This action might be to fight and to engage that threat head on. This action might be to flee, to run away. So this is going to be accompanied in the body by increased heart rate. Blood is actually going to um, flood the uh, limbs, the legs, the big muscle groups, the, the arms, the hands. You will feel sensation in your skin. I mean, we can probably all identify with that sort of our body just gets flooded with um, sensation when we perceive threat and we, you know, we feel that action, that sympathetic acting with us, part of the nervous system. An additional response of the nervous system is what we would call freeze. And the freeze is when the body has determined that neither fight nor flight is going to be effective to avoid harm or loss. And the body shifts into another survival mechanism. In this case, what is called the parasympathetic nervous system kicks in. The parasympathetic nervous system, when we are functioning in our daily life, is responsible for our processes of digestion. It's responsible for the repair in our muscles. You could call it the digest, rest, and repair system. In a survival situation, when the parasympathetic takes over, it it lends itself to that freeze response. And so instead of action, 
you begin to shut down. Oftentimes, this is accompanied by sort of a um, maybe a, a pit in your stomach. You begin to feel actually the blood drain away from your limbs. You might feel kind of nauseous. Typically, uh, I think it's interesting. We can associate the um, experience of shame with this response in the parasympathetic nervous system. That's fantastic. It just triggered, um, and I'm so glad you went to shame. It just made me um, remember because so many things are triggering yes, in our life exactly. and, you, and you go back. Yes. You don't even know you're going back. Yes. When I was um, in college, I lived in an apartment and I came home one night and it was all dark and I closed the door behind me, walked into the apartment, felt funny, turned around and there was a tall, big man standing in the corner. And my response was, to fall on the ground. Yes, Stacy. Exactly. Like I just I just turned to jello and fell on the ground. And then I felt so much shame over that response. Yes. Like Stacey. I thought I would be this, you know, strong, take charge kind of woman. And and so so there's the effect that gets added on, like like with you with shame. And that accompanies so much. Of whatever the trauma is, if it's small, and I don't know that we can actually say the small, but I don't think you escape without having huge traumatic events. Absolutely. I mean, there's PTSD, of course, and now people are discovering that it's widespread. I was talking with a woman this morning who um, God is resurfacing and having her step into yes. um, early childhood sexual abuse that to date for decades she was not able yet to to face walk into pursue healing in because it until now not only being not ready but just too re-traumatized by going there and and now is ready with God and has the capacity um to not be overwhelmed by shame or feeling like it's her fault I brought this on myself. Even even at the car accident, we do it. I was going too fast. I was um, there's something. I don't know if it's just the fallenness of man, or if it's that I think it's the enemy and his incessant accusation. But yes. what do you do with that? Shira? Yes, I think it's such a great question, Stay. So I think that for so many of us, and for so many humans, freeze actually is our survival response in the position of when we're threatened or overwhelmed or overwhelmed right the first step there is to receive jesus's compassion mm. and to walk in compassion for ourselves to understand that that is not a reflection of moral failure that is not a reflection of cowardice or your character per se but that is a survival mechanism intended by god to help you survive that experience and to begin to take a step toward God, is it possible that I can honor that I survived that? Even if perhaps as I look back, as I look from a distance at the situation, I wish I had fought. I wish I had ran. Can I take a step toward accepting Jesus's presence around me and with me and take a step toward befriending the fact that my body responded as it did. So I, I actually think learning about the body's response to trauma is such a beautiful way to begin to stay, take those steps of compassion and kindness toward 
responses that we may have carried shame about for, for decades. Cheryl, I have another question for you. And I just want to, in, in this moment, even just bless those of you that are listening, that if this is stirring up things that you, uh, you don't want to go or you feel God's invitation to, it's time you can at least begin to invite me in and trust me and just say peace to you in the name of Jesus and Him hold you and um, guide you as as the timing allows and and certainly even this moment to turn the compassion that you have towards yes, others onto God. your own heart. Yes, thank you, God. Sure, I've wondered about this part about the way we're made. When a traumatic event happens, and I don't want to get into all the... I always forget, actually, the cortex and the, all, all of it. But a separation actually happens between our emotions and our reason. Like, there is a, a break. And then, perhaps later, through, through the telling of our story, for our beginning sometimes to remember. Do you think that's a protective device from God? Because— when you're young, if something happens, or a teenager, or older, or even that you don't actually have the capacity to process through until, until it is, you until you do exactly. And sometimes we've probably heard the term dissociation, right? And in the study of the body, the the neuroscientists, the scientists who are studying the impact of trauma on the body, are developing theories to suggest that that again that the disassociation is a survival mechanism, and then through the lens of God-informed worldview, we could say it was, again, a gift from Father to provide a path of survival for us until we could come of age, have the resources we needed to be able to go back. So in the dissociation, it's one of the reasons why, for example, we may not remember something until Father has established for us a womb of sorts with which we can go back. And I, I think, though, um, with that being said, it doesn't mean that we need to go searching for a repressed memories. We can trust that if there's something to remember, Father will bring it bring it in time, in the right time. Oh, that is so key. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, yeah. To, to trust Him. Yes. Stace, can I say, I'd like to say a little bit about hyper, what we would call hypervigilance. Please, please do. Okay. So what often will happen when the fight or flight or freeze was not sufficient to avoid the harm or loss, the body ends up reenacting um, that experience of danger over and over and over again. And again, it's it's deeper than our consciousness. In our conscious mind, we know that we're not in danger, but some the body is signaling as if we were. I have an example. I was aware that when I was alone with a man, a good man, a man I knew, a trustworthy man, I would feel tense inside, scared. I was aware that there was fear there, and it wasn't based on my present reality. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's such a great example, Stace. So what happens post-trauma, after trauma, is that many times the nervous system begins to create the the past experience as the reference point. The body begins to react be reacting informed by the past more than informed by the present moment. Mm, right. And so one of the paths with God as we move toward healing is we want to become the kind of people for whom the kingdom of God, 
the heart of God, the nature of God, the truth of who God is, is our reference point, not just in our heads, but to our bodies. So that my nervous system is, in my day-to-day experience, responding to that reference point. And and the path from going from my nervous system being primarily in um, responding to my past versus to a God-informed reality is is quite a personal path for each one of us. I would love to talk about that path because we have the God of all hope. Yes, God. He doesn't intend us to stay stuck or to stay um, hostage to past harm. Kind of just like he commands us to forgive one another, when when we do that and release people to them, they 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 can't harm us anymore. And he has come to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. So he has provided ways in his goodness to to heal us, to free us. And so I I am aware of one of the ways, and he's provided multiple ways, but. One of them being um, the ability to name your story truthfully, um, not diminish it, but actually name it. And to to a few or one safe person to tell it. I remember hearing that the more you're able to tell your story, the more you're able to heal. Or conversely, to the extent that you're able to tell your story truthfully in mm. reality is the extent to which you're able to heal. Mm-hmm. And and by that I mean um personally I literally thought I had an Aussie and Harriet for those of you that are too young to know that like a perfect father knows best wonderful childhood. And that was literally my memory and how I would describe it. Until I was about 35, 30, 35, and was, like, it was the time, like you said, that God ordained, because of my father's love for me, ordained time to look back with, actually remember with reality, what was reality, and to begin to name things, and apart from shaming myself or feeling like I was betraying my family, begin to at least personally own the reality and that was a doorway to walk through that brought healing. So for me personally, it was um, God's timing um, and include counseling and telling my story and being able to tell the truth. The Holy Spirit says He desires truth in our inmost being and how, um, how denying reality is a gift of protection, the dissociation. But, but there comes a time when we are meant to grow up and incrementally with Jesus step into more and more healing. It's a journey of life, right? The ultimate perfect healing is going to happen when we're face-to-face with Jesus. So something happened for me two weeks ago, and it was totally triggering. And I had a response emotionally and physically. I was shaking, and I was going, Jesus, I thought we were done here. We've done so much work together here. And but we're not done. There's more, and and there's no shame in there being more. Yes, exactly. But there's Stacey. the invitation of God to walk into the more. Um. So that's just therapy, counseling, journaling. Sherry, was there anything in your story that was a catalyst for you to pursuing learning about the effects of trauma in the body? Can you just 
one story, it's interesting because um, I realize that for mu- much of my life, I identified myself as a very emotional person in the sense of that I felt things very deeply. And several years ago, Jesus inspired me and asked me to take a little more look at that and to really step back, put that on the table and say, what does that mean to be an emotional person? What does that mean as a follower of Jesus? What is this strength of emotion in me about the vehicle for emotion is sensation in the body. And I began to realize I had very strong sensations in my body, particularly strong negative sensations that were really causing me a lot of pain, a lot of agony. For example, when I would go to a party and would say things that I wish I hadn't said, this is probably, you know, um, in my mid-20s in particular, God began to ask me to look at this, I would leave the party and I wouldn't just kind of like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I would feel sick to my stomach. I'd want to double over. I'd feel nauseous. I'd feel agitated in my limbs. And it was just so helpful for Father to begin to connect the body with me. That is an experience of someone who feels like their life is being threatened by what they did. That's not just um, a mild experience of regret, but that is a sensation in the body of, I am going to die because I did something that put me in danger. And to understand, oh my goodness, I know in my head I am not in mortal danger because I said something wrong, but my body is reacting as if I am. And it has just been life-changing for me to have Father help me understand that I do not have to live that way anymore. I have compassion for the fact that that was like felt life-threatening for me. But through interaction with the Father, through all kinds of streams um, of healing, I am so grateful. I get to leave a party and I might think to myself, man, I wish I hadn't said that, but I no longer want to die. And um, and again, I didn't realize I wanted to die, It, but my body was signaling that I was in a life-threatening situation. So it's just been completely life-changing for me, for Father to help me understand um, the survival mechanisms of the body, and then how can I work with Father to reinform my body that I live in a, in a universe that at the center of which is the unfailing Trinity and into whose home and family I have been invited, and to let that actually begin to change how I experience life in my body. It's been truly, truly life-changing. It ties in again to being alert, like just checking in every now and again. What am I feeling? What are my emotions in this? And and where, what is my body? How is it reacting? And some of this can feel, a, you may want to dismiss it, mm-hmm. like it's navel gazing mm-hmm. or like that, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But that we are instructed in the second commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. Mm-hmm. And... We won't be able to love our neighbors very long um, or as well as we would love to if we are not caring for and loving ourselves. That's right, Stacy. And I think, you know, for example, just take that that situation. I mean, that my bodily response to leaving a party did so much damage in my marriage. Morgan got to the point where he didn't want to go to parties with me anymore because the amount of cleanup afterward. So talk about loving my neighbor, my closest right. one is Morgan. And 
if I am not willing to take a look at, wow, wow, what's going on? Why, why, why am I having such a visceral reaction to saying the wrong thing? My ability to love Morgan is severely hampered. Share that is so good. And everybody can relate to that because... We have reactions to things, whether it's a, in a relationship or how we handled a situation with our children or, or an overreaction to something that our spouse did or something at work. And they're clues that something else is going on. And we can take them as invitations from Jesus to follow him into more healing. So safe to say then that we have all experienced trauma. A question that I have, Sherry, for those that are listening, every, everyone has experienced it. But is it that the same thing as saying everyone has undealt with areas of trauma, mm-hmm. like that it's still manifesting in, in their bodies, whether that's in a sick to my stomach feeling when something happens, or I have migraine headaches mm-hmm. that I don't understand, mm-hmm. or is everybody listening mm-hmm. going, that isn't me? You know, Stace, I think that in all humility, obviously we're we're in process. We're learning more and more every day. But I would say that almost everyone has some impact of trauma happening in their body. How that manifests is going to be very, very different. Let's say, for example, that there's a young boy whose father left the family and nothing he could do, there was nothing he could do to keep that father from leaving the family. There were sensations, I would argue um, and submit that there were sensations in his body that were virtually intolerable, that he had to decide at that time probably to shut down a little bit, to dissociate because of the anxiety, the sick to his stomach, the rage, the all the different spectrum of sensation and emotion in the body was likely to be overwhelming. There's a great chance that he had to shut down in some way. This might be contributing in in his adult life now. He may not have the range of emotion that God intended him to have or the range of sensation that Father intended for him because that time in his life he needed to shut down. He may not be able to regain it, and this might be causing all kinds of things in his life that he wouldn't identify uh, or associate with trauma, but it might be part of the reason why his wife says, why are you so unavailable to me emotionally? I, I give this example to just say that there's just a lot to unpack with Father. I really want to talk about the healing of the heart. I mean, that's that's everything. Jesus is about restoration, and nothing is out of his reach. Nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing is too old for him or never too broken for him or not. not and I mean that. Nothing is out of his reach. And, and I know that that's what you're about. And that's part of, like, we need to learn and honor what's going on in order that we can attend to it. So we talked about one of the ways that God comes and brings healing is in our honoring our own histories and in and then our stories and not diminishing our experiences. And even now you're saying, like, don't diminish what your body is doing. Like, we can't beat it into submission. We can't just tell it, don't feel that. But even how one way to begin stepping towards healing is to acknowledge what our bodies are feeling and, and to name it. What are some other ways to pursue healing with God? So I think the first step, and and I'm 
eternally indebted stays to ransomed heart for this is to if if possible to pause and say how how do i address this you know taking note of the sensations i feel sick to my stomach i feel like my skin is crawling I feel like my heart just dropped into my belly. You know, we have figures of speech that actually really speak to these physical sensations. So when the language centers of the body can begin to connect, not with what I should be feeling, but with what I am feeling, and we pause, we begin to tune in, it actually begins to to calm the nervous system. So you attach the language center not to, I shouldn't be feeling this way, but allow the language center to attach to, I feel sick to my stomach. I feel like my skin is crawling. I feel um, like I want to run out of this room. I feel like I want to hide. Begin to let the language center put words to what the body is feeling. Then we begin to, I think the next step would be to say, okay, Jesus, with you, I recognize that my body is responding with a survival mechanism. And I pause, Jesus, and I receive the fact that my body is reacting to danger. And you can begin to just feel even then the body will start to calm because you're you're not trying to shake it or beat it into a different experience. You're you're honoring the fact your your body is reacting to danger even if that danger is 30 years old and something in your present moment triggered it. And then I think from there leaning into the breath So Father has given us a very effective gift of the breath to help equalize the nervous system. So we talked about these two branches of the nervous system, the first one being the what's called the sympathetic and the other being the parasympathetic. Those names aren't important. I'll just use a simpler term for those. One would be the nervous system that promotes action. The second is the nervous system that promotes rest. So the inhale, when we inhale, we are engaging the part of the nervous system that promotes action. And when we exhale, we are engaging the part of the nervous system that promotes rest. And the way that Father intended was that our um, nervous system, these two parts of the nervous system, oscillate very gently with each inhale and each exhale. So when we are in a traumatic a response that's rooted in trauma, oftentimes we'll notice it most because we're what's called hyper-aroused. We have too much sensation in the body. So by inhaling and then exhaling, particularly focusing on the exhale, we can help the nervous system come back toward that rest, engage the rest part of the nervous system. So leaning into the breath, um, allowing the a focus on the inhale and exhale can be very, very helpful in calming the body. Once the body is calmer, we can begin once again to engage what we might call the mind, repeating truth to us. We can comfort the body, speak to the body that we're not in danger, speak to our soul. I'm not in danger. I am safe. God is here. But until we can help to contain that hyper arousal, oftentimes uh, simply speaking truth is not going to be as effective as we wish it were. So many times, Sherry, I find myself holding my breath. Yes. And I didn't know that I was. So this seems really simple, but maybe you're listening and you just can tune in and you've been holding your breath. It's it's a simple thing and it's not some new age weird thing. Oh dear, another good. It's it's a God-ordained gift to us. He is the breath of heaven. And I have heard other examples um, of just breathing him in 
and breathing out the thing that's gripping you. And then again, breathing him in. And it is kind of amazing. I love that, that just even for a few moments, attending and paying attention, it's, it's like coming back into your body. And that, that is where we are meant to live. Um, the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in our bodies. And we're, we're actually meant to be, to be home with him there. And, and that is a beautiful way to come home. We want to breathe him in. And I, I just, I love your ability to tell us, actually, what is going on? Wait, we have a nervous system? Wait, he, he ordained it this way and, and this is happening? And this isn't necessarily for all of us to kick into um, reading books or having the study. And I, I don't know all this, but you do. So I get to lean into your wisdom. And, but for us to be able to say, breathe. Even now, like paying attention, doing five intentional deep breaths in and out helps to calm us, center us in Christ, and then move forward. I love that. The simple prayer of inviting Jesus in, like you did. I I love your language and talking about the language center. And I'm, okay, wait, what's the language center? That's, okay, I think that's putting words to things. That's Telling yourself the truth is important, but what you're saying is you, you can't always just run there. You, you actually need, by the grace of the Holy Spirit and the tools that He has provided for all of us to center in, this is what I'm hearing from you, to center in, breathe deeply in and out, and then, um, and then invite Him in. And then you have more of a capacity to, to receive and believe and the truth and to step forward. Exactly. Because it can be so frustrating to to just feel so hijacked. Like you were saying, Stacey, we're we're functioning, we're doing great, we're feeling literally in our right mind. And then we're triggered and all of a sudden we feel hijacked. And we feel like the maturity and the skills and the truth that we've been cultivating in Christ is somehow flees the room and we're left with overwhelming feeling and we we feel like we can't grab onto what we know to be true. So just to be able to have some other stream to offer so that we we know all that isn't gone, but we do have to calm the body so that the mind can come back online and help us in that. Sherry, thank you for everything. This has not been meant to be a, a full exposition on, on trauma and its effect on the body, the soul, the spirit, but merely introductory and presented as a category and an invitation from God to honor ourselves, to pursue deeper healing by inviting Him in and considering our own stories and its effects on ourselves, to ask Him to reveal in His perfect timing. Cher, would you just pray now, just to end this podcast and end this subject, and pray for, for all of those that are listening? Jesus, thank you that you are with us here. And Jesus, we pause even now to breathe. We pause even now to inhale deeply and exhale deeply to bring our bodies into the present moment, God, that we might be present with you who are always present. Jesus, we declare that you are always present with us. And so we receive your presence here with us, Jesus, your face turned 
toward us. And Jesus, we give you permission and access to our bodies. And God, I'm asking now for a supernatural deposit into each one of our nervous systems. Father, even now, I ask that through this podcast, healing would come. Jesus, you can come. You can lay your hand on us and heal us quickly. And so even now, hand of Christ, healing power of Christ, go forth now. And I pray, Father, that where our nervous systems are orbiting around a past event, even now by the healing power of Christ, we would be healed there. Jesus, come. Jesus, come and heal us. Father, I pray for truly instantaneous healing for us. In addition to that, Father, I ask that you would just simply show us the next step. Jesus, what is the next step? For some of us, as Stacy said earlier, it might be just putting this podcast on the shelf for another time. For some of us, we might feel your gentle knock, Jesus, to come and to engage parts of our story, Father, that it is now time to engage. Father, we ask now that you would lead each listener in just the next step. Just the next step, Father. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Jesus, for your embodied self. Thank you that you came and took on flesh and that you know intimately what it is to live in a body, to have a body and a story. Thank you for this time. In your name, beautiful Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Cher. For those of you listening, if you feel prodded that your next step might be to go into counseling or, or even a one-time or the invitation from God to let's let's go back, it's time to face some things and walking them together, and you don't know where to go, go to our site, our Ransomed Heart website at www.ransomedheart.com, and there's an Allies Network there where people who understand and partner with us in ministry and this beautiful view of Jesus and the larger story that we are living in um, are there and you can find someone that's recommended that is going to be able to walk with you in this. Side note, again, if, if you are a counselor and you want to be known, that's a good place to, to put your information. So thank you for joining us today and thank you, Sherry. For all that you've brought, we bless you. This has been the Ransomed Heart Podcast.